guys, here we go. She Runs Ultras episode number 100. We've officially hit triple digits, you guys. So exciting. And in this episode, I want to talk about, well, really the elephant in the room, and that's the off-season. This topic is always met with a lot of mixed emotions and reactions. Some of you absolutely love the off season. I know I certainly do, but others of you see this really as almost a fate worse than death. And that second group, the fate worse than death group, you guys are the ones for whom this episode is dedicated. All right. So My not-so-subtle objective with this episode is to get you to see the benefits of an off-season and to start wrapping your brain around how to execute this and how it could significantly boost your running results in the long run. Now, just for a little bit of context, at the present moment, it's mid-October, and as most of you know, I live up here in New Hampshire, and that means that the temperatures are dropping and eventually... I hate to say it, (laughs) the snow will start flying. And it's because of this that I have always just had an off season in my training plan. I plan my running around the quote unquote good weather months, which are like basically April to like November, kind of. It just really depends on the year. And that's when the bulk of my training and racing happens. And I take, um, a break after that to rest and recuperate so that I can be primed and ready to go when, again, the quote-unquote nicer weather hits. Now, I will still go for a few runs over the winter because I really do enjoy a good snowy run, but I'm not officially training for anything typically over the winter time. And when I run, it's because I feel like it and when the weather cooperates. It's not because I'm, you know, really doing any sort of formal training plan. Those of you that live in places where it's nice all year long, in my opinion, are really more susceptible to training all year long and not taking an off season for the simple fact that you aren't forced to by mother nature. All right. So I just want to sort of add that for a little bit of context, because I do think that if you live in a place, I don't know, maybe like above the Mason Dixon line where like we do get snow and the weather varies, we have actually four seasons you are more inclined to factor in the inclement weather and not run all year long. If you live someplace where the weather is really nice, then you sort of lose sight of the fact that (laughs) there is such a thing as an off season because you aren't forced to take downtime. Okay. So let's just jump right in here. When I decided to do this episode, I sat down to think about all of the things that comprise this idea. And I sort of landed on this big question, why does the off season or really just taking time off in general scare so many runners? And I spent a lot of time thinking about this. Many of my early morning walks and uh, training sessions were spent thinking about this idea. And I also even asked the women in my Run Your First 50K Facebook group. And here's what I've decided based on all this thinking time. It really comes down to four basic reasons. And let's just go right through these because I think that you'll be able to identify with at least one, if not many or all of these reasons. The first one is loss of fitness. 
I would have to say this is the most common answer I hear. Something to the effect of, quote, I'll have to work so hard to get back to where I am now, really with regards to either level of fitness, physical fitness, or mileage, or both, okay? And these are sort of people that don't want to lose what they have now for fear of the struggle that it would take to get it back or the potential that they might not ever get it back. All right. So number one is loss of fitness and the fear surrounding that. Number two is stress and sanity. Lots of runners fear taking time off because they use running as a quote unquote stress reliever and or a way to, again, I'm quoting, stay sane. Okay. And I've used running for both of these particular purposes over the lifespan of my running to date. So I can really relate to actually both number one and number two. Actually, I lied. I can relate to actually all four of these. Um, But these two in particular were big ones for me. People who fall into this category are worried that they won't be able to manage their stress or their sanity without running and or they haven't found a suitable replacement for it that gives them the same feelings or results as running does. The third thing is community and support. Many runners have sort of found their people, found their tribe in running at any distance, really. This is uh, a conversation, obviously the podcast is targeted for people running ultras, but you know these reasons don't or aren't specifically related to ultra runners. They're related to runners of all distances. So, you know, when you first start running, you find your people wherever you're at, whether that's 5K, 10K, wherever you start. And as you keep going, you continue to find your people as you keep progressing up the mileage chain, so to speak. And when this happens, you really build a community for yourself, a network of friends that perhaps you rely on for socialization and support. And me- and really what happens is taking time off could potentially mean time away from these groups and or people, and that scares a lot of runners. The fourth thing is, and this is a big one, the fear of the unknown. For some runners, all they know is running is life, (laughs) okay? A a life where they get up every day with an objective to run a certain amount in service of a bigger goal, whether that's training for an actual race or maintaining a certain fitness level. The off-season or taking time away from running taps into their deepest, darkest fears of the unknown of not running, like What's it like not to run all the time or be training for something? What will I do with all of my free time? What does life look like without this core component that I have really leaned on time and time again? So those are the four basic reasons why the off season or just like I said, taking time off in and of itself scares so many runners. Maybe, like I said, you can identify with one or two or all of them. And if you can, that's fine because the whole objective of this podcast is to, again, open your eyes to this idea and help you to start wrapping your brain around how making some subtle shifts and actually implementing an off-season might boost your results over time. So 
Now that we've sort of laid out all of your biggest fears, let's talk about the benefits of an off season. And again, I did a lot of thinking about this and I landed on three main reasons for having an off season. There are lots of other smaller or subsequent reasons, but I tried to put them into three big buckets that would contain many of those smaller reasons. And these are sort of in no particular order, but I do like the order that I have put them in. And the first one is rest and recovery. Training puts a lot of stress on your body. And even if you're doing it the right way, which I have outlined throughout this podcast, and that basically includes all of the things we talk about here, having a training plan, specific objectives for your workout, doing strength, doing mobility, having rest built into your training plan at regular intervals. Even if you are doing all of those things, you're still, by the nature of the beast, putting a lot of stress on your body. And even if you do it really, really well, your body can only handle so much, all right? Maybe you've learned this lesson the easy way, meaning through kind of osmosis, either of this podcast or other podcasts or books or coaches or whatever, and you've sort of learned to regulate the push and the pull, how hard to go, when to back off. Maybe you have learned it the hard way where you've done too much, overloaded yourself, sustained some burnout or some injury and have had to pull back. But The one thing I sort of want to point out here is that most of us aren't professional athletes, and yet we are trying to apply the same types of training, the same types of training modalities and workouts and schedules and mindsets that the pros do, which I don't necessarily think is a bad thing because we can always learn and grow and level up that way, but it's also not something that we're prepared to do for the long term. We're not getting paid to do this, right? A lot. The behind the scenes of the pros is the reality is that they're spending an enormous amount of time on the quote unquote recovery stuff just to make sure that they can go out and train the next day. I don't know if you've ever listened to, um, the, um, gosh, why am I drawing a blank on his name? Um, the iron cowboy talk about training to do 50 Ironman distance races in 50 days or his uh, 101 day project. But if you listen to, I think it's like the ritual podcast episode, he talks about doing the actual training day in and day out or the, you know, completing those Ironmans day in and day out. And then the extensive recovery process that they did every night just to get him prepped for the next day. And That's just to do this one particular thing. And then he had to get a little bit of rest and then show up the next day. Now, this is obviously uh, on a bigger scale, right? But that really demonstrates the stuff that has to happen behind the scenes in order for you to prep yourself for the next day. And we're doing this on the smaller microcosm level. So If you are someone who's hammering down, doing all the things, but then not doing the behind the scenes stuff of recovery, stretching, mobility, all those things, then you're just digging yourself a hole. (laughs) Okay. I'm laughing because, you know, again, everything that I share here is 
99.9% of the time something that I have done, a mistake that I have made because I don't want you guys to make the same mistake. And I've done this one. (laughs) I'm laughing because I've done this one. And eventually you're going to dig that hole so deep that you can't get out and you end up burning out or getting injured. So first and foremost, the biggest reason I think for having an off season is rest and recovery. The second reason is that having an off season will allow you to take care of the life stuff that you might have been neglecting during your actual in-season training. There's probably a lot of stuff, a lot of things that you're putting off because you just don't have time for it right now while you're training. And so it stands to reason that the off season is a good time to schedule that stuff in and actually take care of it. Maybe check it off your list. Now, this has been true for me in my life in training, and I'm sure it's true for you too. There's really only so much bandwidth that we have while training, even if... (laughs) Again, I laugh because it's true. Even if you're like me and you pride yourself on being able to get it all done, there are always things that are falling by the wayside. So the simple fact of the matter is you can't do everything and that's okay. You're not meant to do everything as much as it pains me (laughs) to my core to say that sometimes. It's really a hard reality check for myself as well. So the off season presents you, like I said, with that opportunity to catch up on the things that you've been putting off as well as get ahead for the next season. And that's something that when people talk about rest and recovery and the off season that they neglect to mention is that you can actually do a bunch of stuff in the off season to help set yourself up for success for the next go around. And the third reason for having an off season, the last one on my list, but certainly not least important is appreciate what you've accomplished in season. I want to start this one off by saying (laughs) I'm the worst at this. (laughs) I have a real hard time celebrating my wins, but I'm working on this with the help of my coach. And the way that I started to get better at it was by taking time to sit down and reflect on what I've accomplished and put it into perspective. When I started to do that, Well, I mean, if I'm being honest, it was really uncomfortable at first, like very uncomfortable. But over time, I started to see the value in all of it and in myself and my accomplishments. And that was sort of around the time that I actually started this podcast. So you can see where things have gone from there. All right. I think this reason is important taking time to appreciate what you've accomplished, not only because you get to take time to be proud of yourself, but also because it gives you the space to dream up your next big scary goal. Because what I see happening a lot, and again, I am guilty of this too, is that you're not doing all the things you could be doing, meaning, or said a different way, You're chasing your tail and doing the same things, the same races over and over and over again because they're comfortable for you. I'm going to do a whole separate podcast episode on this, but again, I just want to say I've been guilty of this in the past as well. And going through this process of sitting down and appreciating what I've accomplished in season has allowed me to see, oh, right, I keep signing up for the same things and doing the same things, albeit with different objectives 
But if I kept going down that road, I would run out of different objectives. And eventually I would just be chasing my tail, doing the thing that was most comfortable because I hadn't taken the time to appreciate what I'd done up to that point and allow myself the time and space to breathe and think and look outside of that subset of races to see what the hell else is out there that I could do. Some of this comes down to mindset. We'll talk about that a little bit later, but the first step in this process is appreciating what you have accomplished in season. Okay, so I want to keep this one sort of short. This is what I have for you guys today. Hopefully you found that helpful. And now you can look at the off season in a little bit of a different light. I don't want to bombard you with a ton of stuff today. I just wanted to talk about why this is important, right? Those four basic reasons why you don't take an off season, just to recap real quick, loss of fitness, stress and sanity, like you're using running to manage those two things, Uh, community and support, you find those things in running and with the people that you spend the most time with. And I think the biggest one is really the fear of the unknown, not having running as a daily thing, don't know what to do with your time, haven't the foggiest idea what an off-season training plan should look like. Um, And then the three reasons for having an off-season, the three main buckets, rest and recovery, taking care of the life stuff that you've been putting off, and then appreciating what you've already accomplished so that you can then dream bigger, plan bigger, go big or go home. All right. So Um, For those of you guys that are looking for help with the off-season and what your training should look like, I'm going to actually talk about that in an upcoming episode and specifically we'll cover how long your off-season should be, how much training you should do, and what types of training should be on your schedule, okay? Because again, tapping back into that idea of the fear of the unknown, you're reluctant to let go of what you're currently doing if you have no idea what you're jumping into. So we want to bridge that gap. In the meantime, if you're not currently tracking your training in some sort of formal way, I want to encourage you to sit down and start making some notes about it. What, when, how much, where, if that's applicable, because in the next episode or when it comes out, I'm going to ask you some specific questions about what your training is now and probably what it's been in the past, like let's say the past you know, year. And if you're not tracking, you won't have the information or the frame of reference for what to do in the off season. So it just goes back to this whole idea of gathering the data, having the information, knowing what you're doing so that you can then figure out what to do going forwards. Okay. And as always, I don't think I will. It wouldn't be a complete podcast episode if I didn't encourage you to be doing your daily shakedown. And if you're not doing it, there is literally no better time than now. I mean, yesterday would would have also been a really great time to start, but today it's a new day and you should start doing it now. Um, It's funny because just before I hit record on this podcast episode, I went into the private Slack channel for my current Run Your First 50K group. And Kimberly in the channel said this about the shakedown. Here's a sort of an excerpt from one of the comments that she made because I've been giving them 
daily prompts to do their shakedowns. And what Kimberly wrote was, I didn't think I'd get results from the shakedowns because I do yoga most days, but it's very different, very intentional. And I got super excited when I read that because 100%, that's the difference between yoga that you might like find on YouTube or do in a studio and the shakedown. And people often assume that they're one and the same. No, 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 no. They're not. They're completely different because the intention behind the shakedown is the differentiating factor. The goal is to help you explore your body, specifically your joints, so that you can see what works well and what needs more attention so that you know where to focus your efforts to get the best results. Okay. So if you do yoga and this is no knock on yoga. This, they're just two, they're different modalities, different avenues to get to different results. And the thing about my shakedown is I try and incorporate some yoga, some yoga type movement so that it's more of a flow and that one thing moves directly into the other. So you get that sort of flow sensation, but the intention behind the whole thing is joint movement control and this idea of a body scan to figure yourself out so that you're not just, no pun intended, running through the day in your body and not understanding where the potential trouble spots are. All right. So if you haven't already, if you go to my website, you can get the free video that walks you through the process of a head to toe shakedown. So you'll just go to megan-gould.com, M-E-G-H-A-N dash G-O-U-L-D.com. And at the top, you'll see text. It says daily shakedown. Just click on that. Okay. You just put your name and your email address in there and I'll send it to you. And ladies, if you want to get more tips and tricks for training for your first or even your farthest ultra, come join my private Facebook group aptly named run your first 50 K. All right. So you'll just go into the search bar in the top of Facebook and type in run your first 50 K and we will come up under groups. You just have to request to join, answer the questions so I can get a better sense for who you are, why you're there and how I can help you. And then we will welcome you with open arms into the group. It's really been super fun to see that group expand and explode as you guys are requesting to join daily. I mean, I think we're getting like 10 to 15 people, new people every single week. And it's been amazing to see all of you in there, hear what you're training for, and to be able to start helping you right away, um, get some results and implement some new things into your training, regardless of what phase or season of training that you're in. So I look forward to seeing you there. All right, you guys, that's all for this episode. Enjoy this beat and I'll see you all soon. Oh, 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 oh,